dive right in. <clears throat> so we've been, uh, we've been going through a series, just the last couple of weeks, for those of you who don't know, called From Lack to Abundance. And in this series, uh, really what I hear from the Lord is, is a prophetic word. I hear the Lord saying that I want to bring my people out of lack and into abundance. Now, hey, that's true for every area of our life, right? Jesus said the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give life and life to the fullest, or life abundantly. This is the heart of God towards His people. This is the heart of God towards every person that that God has ever created, that He wants people to live in abundance, not in lack, not in poverty, not in debt, not in injustice or oppression or anything like that. He wants people to be blessed, right? God said to Abraham, I will bless you and make you a blessing to how many nations? All nations. That's the heart of God, to all nations. And so we know that God wants to do this in every area, but what I felt from the Lord and actually heard very specifically from the Lord for us in this season is that He wants us to focus on financial issues in our life. He wants us to focus on some areas in our life, the financial stuff, and believe Him to move us out of lack and into abundance. And, of course, lack means not having enough. And sufficiency means having enough. And abundance means having more than enough, right? And the Scriptures make it very clear. We've been, we've been looking at this the last couple of weeks that God wants to do this in, in people's lives. If you didn't... If you don't believe me and you didn't hear it, just go back and pick up a CD or something or listen to it on the podcast. This is what God wants to do in people's lives. And what I hear the Lord saying is, 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 is get ready, get prepared. He, the Lord spoke to me, said, David, I want you to prepare my people. Get them out of lack, you know, teach, teach my word, but move them out of lack and in abundance. Why? Well, I mean, some of you might follow, you know, econ- economics and you might be hearing what some economic economists are saying about Europe or this or that and saying, hey, boy, there's some warning signs. It could get worse, blah, blah, blah. You might be hearing that. Maybe, maybe you're somebody who looks around at the signs of the end times and you're saying, hey, whew, boy, man, whew, this could really, uh, Jesus could come back pretty soon here. Things could get pretty intense. Maybe you're thinking that, right? I'm not necessarily saying that's going to happen or not, although should be ready anytime, shouldn't we, right? I'm not necessarily saying, that, like an, as some of the economists are saying, that it's going to get worse, but it could. But it could also get better, right? The Lord is saying, we need to be ready. What happened? What would happen if our account, boop, everything fell apart? What happened? What would happen? Are you going to walk in a spirit of fear? Are you going to freak out? Are you going to be like everyone else in the world? Well, I just don't know what to do. No, we should know what to do, right? We should have the word of the Lord and know exactly what to do and what not to do. We, as God's people, He does not want us to live in lack. He does not want us to struggle. And He surely does not want us to walk in fear. I mean, if some, if some catastrophe were to happen, which again, I'm not prophesying, we should be the ones with the abundance to serve, right? But what if there, what if there was a blessing of God poured out on our nation and things began to pick up again, like it did, I don't know, a handful of years in the early 2000s, right? In the early zeros. What, what if it did? Things start picking up again. Was that a great time to go in? Oh, yeah, let's waste more money. You know what I'm saying? Let's go in more debt. Yeah, let's, let's do that again, you know? No. The God's people should be ready to embrace the abundance that God would pour out. But either way, the Lord has been teaching us, I am your provider, right? I am with you. So that no matter what, whether it's recession or whether it's blessing being poured out on our nation, whatever it is, whether you're in Africa or Mozambique or Haiti, that we are the people of God and our provider is 
God, right? And we, our provision is not to be based upon economy or systems or whether there's famine or not. No, but God says, I am with you, right? And this is what we looked at last week. That the Lord wants us to trust Him and to look to Him, not to walk in fear. That's what I've been asking the Lord to do in our church. Break off that spirit of fear and to teach us how to walk out of lack and into abundance. Well, it's, it's not like it happens overnight. The Lord needs to make some major adjustments in our life, right? And so that's what we're going to be talking about is what he wants to do and how and what the adjustments we need to make. So in Deuteronomy chapter 2, God, uh, through Moses, makes a statement. This is Moses actually talking to the people of Israel, preparing them to move from the wilderness. Remember, they've been in the wilderness for 40 years, right? And this new generation of uh, young Israelites are going to be moving into the promised land, what God has wanted to do in their life. And Moses makes a statement to them, uh, but I believe the Lord is speaking through Moses on this, and so it's very important for us to understand it. So in verse 7, just focus in on verse 7. Deuteronomy 2, 7 says this, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through the great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. You have lacked nothing. Nothing. What's Moses saying? Well, he's saying, hey, we've been wandering around for 40 years in a wilderness. Dry, thirsty wilderness, right? There's no water in a wilderness. There's no food in a wilderness, right? And yet Moses, God through Moses, says to the people of Israel, hey guys, you guys know we've been in a wilderness for 40 years, right? But the Lord has blessed you. The Lord has blessed us, and we have lacked nothing. That's what he says. He declares over 40 years of their history. He sums it all up. In fact, he doesn't sum it up in just that one verse, because Moses actually recounts the history. He reminds them of how God set them free from Egypt and brought them through the wilderness and reminds them of stories. But he recounts the history, and he summarizes the history with this. God has been with you, even in the wilderness. God has blessed you even in the wilderness. And God has made sure you have lacked nothing. Right? That's what he says. Okay, skip over Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8. I love this. So in Deuteronomy 8, uh, just in verse 15, God is, is speaking to the people of Israel. And in verse 15... He's saying that he is the God who has done this. And so we just pick up in verse 15, right in the middle of the sentence, where he says this. Who led you through the great and terrible wilderness. Right? He says, I'm the God who led you through the great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water, who brought you water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. This is, again, this is God declaring over the people of Israel what has happened over the last 40 years. He says, I, this is who I am, right? He says, he's declaring who he is over his own people. He says, I am your God and I have been with you and I have made sure you don't lack. And he says, man, you've been in a wilderness for 40 years and God himself describes the wilderness as great and terrible. When God describes the wilderness as great and terrible, you know it's great and terrible, right? Do, do you see that God is an honest God? 
Do you see that God does not paint a rosy picture over the wilderness? Oh, look, it's just, there's trees everywhere and water. You know, look at that waterfall in the wilderness, right? He didn't say that, did he? He goes, man, this place has been terrible. You know what I'm saying? It's like God wants to get out of the wilderness too. <laughs> no, I'm being silly. But it, he, he says, I have been with you. And what, listen to what he said. I have led you in this wilderness. What is he saying? You have been walking through this hard time, through this thirsty land, no water. I have been, there, there's no food here, but I have led you, right? There has been dangers, but I have protected you. And where there is no food, I rained manna, bread, from heaven for 40 years, every single day. And even though there was no water, God, more than once, caused water to come out of a rock rivers to, to, to satisfy million, at least a couple million people, plus their animals, to satisfy their needs. And he says, I have been with you. I have led you. I have fed you. I have given you water. I have been there. Right? It's been tough. And, it, and he says why some of the, 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 the tough parts, the wilderness, the, the humbling, the hunger, says it was there to test you. To teach you to live by my voice. That's what he says in verse, in verse 3. We're not going to talk about that today. We'll talk about it later. But Jesus, was, uh, uh, the Father, was teaching the Israelites how to be led by the voice of the Lord. But here's what I want to focus on today. This is what the Lord wants to talk to us about. This is God's perspective on the wilderness, isn't it? Yes? God is telling you how he viewed 40 years of history with the Israelites. He is telling you how he viewed it. This is God's perspective, is it not? Now, do you think that the Israelites would have felt... Do you think like all the Israelites saw it that way? Well, we know some of them didn't, right? Some of them just full of grumbling and complaining and they ended up dying in the wilderness, right? So there, 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 were, there were people in the wilderness and they're going, Man, I'm thirsty. How come God brought us out here to kill us? Man, just brought us out here, set us free from Egypt. Man, we're going to die in this place. And guess what happened? They died, Right? Right? People in the wilderness grumbling, complaining. So we know that not the, the Israelites didn't see it quite the way God saw it, did they? Right? Their perspective wasn't quite how God saw it. But even I'm thinking, I'm thinking that Moses and the Lord, they're, they're not speaking to the people who died in the wilderness. If you remember, the first generation of people came in, coming out of Egypt. They, they came out of Egypt and then they refused to go into the promised land. And, and those of the, the first generation died. But actually, God is speaking to the kids, the second generation of the parents who had rebelled against the Lord. Can you imagine being uh, uh, just waiting 40 years to go into the promised land while your parents died off? That sounds kind of bad, huh? You know, but basically the, your, the older generation refused to embrace what God wanted for them. And they grumbled and complained. And the Bible says that they, they died there. They got what they wanted. But the second generation, they were for 40 years, young Israelites being taught how to hear God's voice being taught that God is their provider. And so for 40 years, this is what, what's going on. And God says to these young Israelites, these next generationers, He says to them, I have been with you these 40 years. He says, I have led you. Okay, this is God's perspective. Do you think there might have been a few people, even among that second generation, that might have been like, man, why, why are we wandering around in this place so long, you know? You think, you think maybe there was a couple people thinking like, this ain't like the Ritz-Carlton, you know, this isn't the promised land like I thought. There's probably some people struggling with this. Well, here's the question that I want to ask you. 
this is God's perspective on your life too. But is this your perspective on your life? We can say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's God's perspective. He's right. Man, those Israelites got it messed up. Think about it. Whose perspective was right? I mean, obviously you know what I'm going to say. But whose perspective was right? God's or theirs? Right? God who says, there has been no lack. I have taken care of your every need. Your clothes didn't wear out. Right? Your shoes, shoes didn't wear out. I've been with you, I fed you, I gave you water. No lack. This is what God says. Is God right or were the Israelites who complained right? Is God right or is a lack mentality right? We say, oh, it's God's, it's God's. But how about in your own life? What do you say about your life? What do you say about yesterday? What do you say about this month's bills? What do you say about the last month, three months, year? The last four decades of your life. What do you say? Do you say what God says? Because this is what I believe the Lord would say over your life. I have been with you. I have never left you nor forsaken you. I have fed you. I have given you water. I have made sure there has been no lack in your life. Now sometimes, you might be thinking, I don't know, you don't know my life. Well, sometimes when we're confronted with the way God talks, maybe we have to admit where we've messed up, right? We've made foolish choices. But this is what God says over your life. Is it what you say over your life? Because who's right? You or God? You're looking at your bills this month. Who's right? You or God? Have you died of lack of breath yet? Have you died of lack of hunger? Do you have clothes? Do you have food? You do, don't you? Right? You're still here. This is what the Lord is saying. The Lord is saying, this is how I see it. The Lord is saying, I have been faithful. The Lord actually spoke this to me recently, The Lord, uh, uh, to me personally. He's been showing me this principle for us as a church. And uh, I was asking the Lord for some things, you know, not greedy or anything like that, but just I was seeking the Lord. And the Lord said to me, in fact, before I saw this verse, it was kind of a fun thing. Later I was like, hey, there it is. Look at that. The Lord said to me, he said, I have provided every need that you have had. And he was correcting me. Now, I wasn't necessarily grumbling or complaining. Maybe I was a little bit, but I wasn't necessarily doing that. He was dealing with something inside my heart. And this is what the Lord wants to talk to us about today. He wants to talk about contentment and thankfulness. Because here's, here's, the, here's the truth. Contentment and thankfulness is simply having God's perspective on my past and my present. See, contentment and thankfulness is faith oriented to the past. I mean, it is oriented to the present as well. You know, we talk about faith a lot of times, believing God's promise. But that's for your future, is it not? But you have to understand something. This is the principle the Lord wants to reveal to us today. That if I do not embrace God's perspective of my past and my present, with an attitude of contentment and thankfulness, then it will shut my heart down from what He wants to do in the future. Your key to embracing what God wants to do for you in your future, the promises that He has for you, that He wants to release upon you, the key to that, what I believe really is the first step in making an adjustment towards the Lord, is to put our faith in Him and to come into agreement regards to our past. 
and to our presence. To say the same thing that God says. That God says there has been no lack in your life. And we would say the same thing to the Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you have provided me my needs. You have fed me and given me clothes, my basic necessities. And I thank you, Lord, that I have not lacked. And I thank you that even in this terrible wilderness, you have been with me and you have led me and you have fed me. And then to embrace the lesson that the Lord would teach you in the wilderness and say, Lord, I believe you now to bring me into abundance. Do you see that? Contentment and thankfulness is literally what leverages lack and brings you into abundance. Did you catch that? Contentment and thankfulness. Having God's perspective on your past leverages your past to bring you into what God has for you in your future. Leverages the little that you have to increase and bring abundance in your life. Look at Deuteronomy 28. Just jump right over to Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. He says this. God is, is talking to them. Actually, let me give you a quick context of this. Deuteronomy 28 is that wonderful chapter of the blessings and the cursings. Blessings if, they, if the Israelites obey. Cursings if they do not obey. He's gone through the blessings. Those are awesome. That's the desire of God for your life and my life. And those are His promises to us. Then He goes through the curses. We don't like those. And this is His summary on the curses. This is like, this is like the bottom line. He goes, this is, all these curses would happen because of this. Listen to this. Verse 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. There it is. God says to the Israelites regarding, you know, you remember the history of the Israelites, right? They went into the promised land and then they turned to gods, other idols. They began to live in what's called covetedness, idolatry, worshiping other gods, looking to other things and sources and people for their provision. And they began to go that direction and it brought them into bondage, right? Other nations came in and and stole their land, stole their food, put them in debt, right? Debt bondage. And then the Israelites would say, Why God let this happen? Why God, I thought we were God's promised people. Uh, did you, did you read the Bible? (laughs) Did you listen when God said... You shall have no other gods before me. They're, literally, the Israelites were so stupid. And yet we do the same thing, don't we? Where they're like worshiping Baal and bowing down to Asherah. Which like Baal and Asherah were these gods where you would like, you know, get their favor by committing like sexual, you know, ritual prostitution and sacrificing things to these gods. And it was just disgusting. And they're like, they're like worshiping Baal and worshiping Yahweh, the, you know, God, you know, and, and, how come God's not blessing us? It's like, hello! You know what I'm saying? Oh, how come God's not blessing me? When I'm not living in integrity, when I'm living in covetedness, you know what I'm saying? I wonder why God's not blessing me. And this is what God says. Man, if you choose to go down that way, worship other idols, you know, and, 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 and live oppressing each other, living in injustice, you know, committing injustice, let me, let me tell you what's going to happen to you. And he just lists out the curses, which, you know, again, there's just consequences of our own sinful choices. I don't like what's happening in America, right? This is a this byproduct of our foolishness, is it not? Not like, oh, this is what God wants for us, okay? And this is what God says to the people of Israel. Because you did not serve me with joy and gladness for the abundance of everything. It literally could mean, 
It literally could mean that they didn't rejoice and, 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 and thank Him. Like literally come to the Lord with joy so that it would turn into abundance. But you could also, it more as likely is referring to the past tense. More, more likely, based on the Hebrew little word for the word for there, it's probably referring to the past. He's saying you didn't rejoice because of the abundance of what I gave you. That's how most translators take it. That really, God, uh, the best way to translate it is, you didn't rejoice before me for what I have given you. What, what, what would it look like to come before God and rejoice in what He had given you? Oh, thank you, Lord! Man, I just, yeah, woo! Yeah, I'm so glad that you've taken care of my needs. I'm so glad that you've provided this job for me and, and blessed me. I'm so glad that I just got some food to eat. I'm really, I'm really glad that the, the bills got paid. I'm just, just, thank you, Lord! You're right? That's joy, right? Wait, what's the opposite of joy? Oh, yeah, it is. This guy, it's just really hard, you know. Right, right, right. He's saying, because you didn't rejoice in what I had poured out on you. Manna, water, clothes didn't wear out. Hello. Because you didn't rejoice in what I had given you. And, of course, he's kind of prophetically speaking into the promised land. Because you didn't rejoice. Man, I gave you houses you didn't build, land you didn't cultivate, trees you didn't plant, right? A land full of uh, flowing with milk and honey. Because you didn't rejoice. What does he say? Because of that, it brought the curse. See, here's what's crazy. When you don't come to God with contentment and thankfulness, you don't have that past-oriented faith that says, Lord, you have, you've been with me. Thank you. I rejoice in what you've done for me. Right? Oriented to the past. When you, when you don't do that, it shuts your heart down. It shuts your heart down from receiving what the Lord has. And it actually releases lack. Think about it. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus came to give life and life to the fullest. What happens when we speak words of death, words of lack, words of unbelief, when we speak those things, it shuts our heart down from receiving and it opens up a gateway for the enemy to come in and what? Devour. There is a devourer. The Bible says there's a devourer. And it's crazy sometimes. You know, this principle is all over the Word of God, but it's crazy. You'll have people say, I can't give because I don't have. But they don't realize that giving sows the seed which would cause you to have. Well, I, I can't thank God because He hasn't blessed me. You know, He hasn't, he hasn't come through for me, man. He hasn't done this for me. I, 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 met, I met people who were stuck in that place. What has God done for me lately? Kind of attitude. And I'm thinking like, well, yeah, I've known you for a couple of years and uh, I kind of remember a couple supernatural miracles. Maybe you didn't learn from that. Maybe, maybe you haven't been walking in faithfulness. You know, we want to blame God, right? A man uh, ruins his own way and then rages against God, right? That's what the Proverbs say. And literally, people who are like, well, I can't thank God because I have lack. No, no, no. You have lack because you don't thank God. I can't give because I, I, I don't have enough. No, no. You don't have enough because you don't give. I'm telling you, this is a principle. People are actually living in, that you're creating your own lack. And the only way that you can leverage the little you have, oh, I've got so little compared to the so much of my need, or I've got so little compared to the vision that I have for my life, or I have so little compared to this debt that I need to get rid of. The only way to leverage the little in the supernatural, in the kingdom, is through contentment and thankfulness. Now, you've got to understand something about contentment. See, human tradition and religion has really twisted contentment. See, in, in, in Buddhism... And hey, we love people who are Buddhists, right? Amen? 
But Buddhism, lots of deception there. In Buddhism, desire equals suffering. And the goal of Buddhism, primary goal of Buddhism, is to get rid of desire. Okay? The, 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 uh, in Buddhism, freedom from want is true living. No want, no desire. Freedom from that. In fact, in Buddhism, love brings suffering because love contains desire. In, 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 in Greek, uh, mytho- uh, not Greek mythology, Greek philosophy, back in the day when Paul was preaching the gospel, there were philosophers called Stoics. You guys have probably heard the word, oh, you're just Stoic, meaning no emotion. Kind of like Spock, right? No emotion. And these Stoics had a philosophy of contentment. And this was their philosophy of contentment. Freedom from want. Is that what the Bible teaches us? Is that what God teaches us is godly and holy? But do you know much of the church teaches that, right? That contentment means don't want it. Don't desire Just be satisfied with the little and the lack that you have. It's okay. You should be okay living in the wilderness. You need to be content with the wilderness. This is what people say. Don't you hear that? Don't you hear yourself talking like that sometimes? Well, you know, I just, you know, whatever happens, it just just happens, it must be God's will, you know, whatever happens, you know, whatever happens, you know, God must, must, must meant, meant it happen, you know. You know, just, I know, I, I just need to be content, you know? Right, yeah, okay, right. No! No! Listen to me. Contentment is not the absence of desire. The Bible does not teach that. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Desire is not wrong. Desire is not evil. Desire is not the author of suffering. See, Buddhism is a religion that was created, it's a philosophy coming out of humanistic tradition. Buddhism doesn't believe in a creator God who made everything and human beings who were made in His image that rebelled against Him. He created us to be blessed. He created us to steward what God had given to us. Amen? It is sin, injustice, foolishness, and rebellion that brings lack. He wants His people to want and to desire. So what does the Bible mean by contentment then? Because Dave, come on, godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what 1 Timothy 6 says. Paul said himself, I've learned the secret of how to be content in little or much, being abased or abounding. Paul said that. Paul said he knew how to be content. He must be quoting the Stoics. He must be quoting those Stoic philosophers that were uh, around in his day. No, he wasn't. Contentment contentment is not the absence of desire. And contentment is not refusing the promise of God. If God makes a promise to you, He wants to do it. Hello, right? Anyone tracking with me here, right? If God said it, then He wants to do it. And do you know, if you don't want what He wants, do you know what the Bible calls that? Rebellion. Unbelief is called rebellion. So how can contentment mean not wanting not desiring, being okay with not having the promise of God in my life. I know he said it, but if he doesn't want to do it, that's okay. You know, he's God; he can just do whatever he wants. Even though he said it, if he lies, that's all right. That's what people are saying, right? You know, Gary can make a promise to me, but you know, Gary's good, and if he doesn't want to do it, that's okay because he's Gary's good. 
If he made a promise to him and he doesn't do it, he's a liar. He would never do that. He's a man of God. But we don't, we, people talk about God like that all the time, right? Oh, you know, if he doesn't want to do it, that's okay. He's God. He's sovereign. Uh, he's also faithful. Yes, of course he's sovereign. Amen. And if he didn't want to say it, he wouldn't have said it. If he didn't want to do it, he wouldn't have said it. So he makes these promises. Contentment is not refusing the promise of God. Not wanting the promises of God. No, no, no. I'm going to be content. I'm going to live in lack. That's not contentment. That's not what the Bible teaches. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you the desires of your heart. If God makes a promise to you, He wants you to want it. He wants you to go after it. He wants you to believe Him and press into it. Right? The Israelites were afraid, the first generation, and said, no, no, we can't go into the promised land. They're going to kill us. And God called that rebellion. He said, why don't they want to believe me? I've been so faithful to them. And they don't want to trust me. Why do they keep rebelling against me? They rebelled because they didn't obey and believe his promise. Remember Joshua? He went into the promised land. Joshua led the people in. They took out that city called uh, uh, Jericho, right? The walls fell down, right? Joshua led the battle of Jericho. Okay, I listen to these kids' songs in my car too much and, um, with the kids. And so Joshua led the battle of Jericho. The walls fell down. The walls came tumbling down, right? Okay, and, uh, and the next city was Ai, right? Now, Jericho, Joshua did what? He listened to God. Walls came down because he did what God said. Next city, Joshua goes, hey. This is in Joshua chapter 7. He goes, Ai, that's a simple one. We just took out Jericho, right? He, he's, he started getting prideful. Like, oh, we're good. So just, uh, you know, just send a few guys out to, to Ai. You know, a couple thousand or I can't remember. It was a couple hundred, a couple thousand. Just go out. All right, they go out. 37 men die. They come back. 37 men die. This is what Joshua comes before the Lord and says. God, what? This is Joshua. This is a man of faith, man. He's been believing God for 40 stinking years, right? This is Joshua. God, why'd you bring us into the promised land? He's starting to sound like them. Why'd you bring us into the promised land? 37 men just died. And this is what he says in Joshua 7. We should have just been content to live in the wilderness. That's what he says. We should have been content. We should have been happy just to live in the promised land. Why is he saying that? I saying because 37 men died? Because he failed? Because Joshua failed. He made a mistake. He did. He didn't listen to God. He didn't ask God what he should do. And he didn't know that Achan had sinned. You remember, the only reason 37 men died is because, the, because Achan sinned against the Lord and it, and, it, and it caused the favor of God to be withheld, right? Or rather, you, I'd say it a different way. It caused the lid to shut on their own hearts and their own lives and shut down what God wanted to do for them. God tells Joshua what? Get up! Stop whining. Remember? Stop crying. I didn't do this, you know. He said, get up. God's comforting usually. No, I'm joking. Sometimes it's like, man, get over it. You know? He said, get up. I didn't do this. It was sin. There's sin in the camp is what God said. Do you see what I'm saying? God doesn't want his people to die. He wasn't like, yeah, I brought you to this promised land so you could, you know, that 37 people died because I was just testing you. This is how people talk. I was just testing you that hard time was just a testing. No, it didn't. There was sin. And Joshua was saying, oh, I should have been content. No, we shouldn't have. God wanted them to go into the promise. Do you see what I'm saying? Contentment does not mean resisting and refusing the promise of God. And it does not mean not desiring. In fact, faith equals desire. An aspect of faith is desire. I don't want to say faith equals desire, but there's an aspect of faith which is desire. Do you remember in Mark chapter 10? I didn't remember the chapter. Mark chapter 10, Jesus is walking into, uh, he's getting close to Jerusalem, 
And a blind man, Bartimaeus, says, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He keeps crying out, right? He's being a little obnoxious. Everyone goes, shh, quiet. It's church. No, I'm joking. It wasn't in church. It was like, Jesus. It's Jesus. Stop, stop, stop. We're having a holy procession to Jerusalem. Stop yelling. The guy goes, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus says, stop, stop, stop. Bring the guy over to me. The guy comes over to him. And Jesus says what to him? Hey, what do you want me to do for you? Why did he ask that? Seems kind of an interesting question, isn't it? Hey, what do you want me to do for you? Come on, he's Jesus. Like, he should know, right? You know, and blind bar to my, my, my said, I've got this hangnail. Can you heal it? You know, sometimes you ask people, you know, what, what, how would you like me to pray for you? You know, they don't, they don't say the obvious. Blind Bartimaeus said what? I want to see. Jesus, I want to see. What did Jesus say to him? He said, let it be to you according to your faith. What was his faith? I want to see. Who was his faith in? Jesus, of course. Right? It wasn't like he was like praying to someone else comes to Jesus and he says, I want to see. Is healing a part of God's promises? Yeah. Is healing in the covenant? Is Jesus the healer? Yes. Do you see what I'm saying? Blind Bartimaeus said, man, I want my promise. I want what you can give me. I can't do it myself. Duh. The doctor sure can't do it. I want to see. Do you see that faith awakens desire in our hearts? So, so what's contentment then? That seems kind of weird, right? Do you realize that the Apostle Paul did not say, I, I, I've learned, in, this is Philippians 4, right? I, I've learned to be content in lack. He didn't say that, actually, did he? He said, I've learned to be content with lack or abundance. So how, how, we're all like, hey, I'd, I'd like to be content in abundance. <laughs> I could do that. No, no, of course he's trying to say that, that I, I've learned that whatever I have or whatever I don't have, I'm content. What, what does that mean then? Because, see, when you have a poverty mentality, a lack mentality, most people I've ever met who had a lack mentality, they're actually afraid of abundance. Oh, well, you wouldn't want to have abundance because cause, cause then you'll, you'll start like trusting in that and then, and, then, and then you'll turn away from the Lord. You know? So God wants to keep you in lack so that you, you don't get prideful. Okay. Sounds not wise. Right? No, it sounds, sounds wise because we hear it all the time, but it's not what the Word says. It's not what Deuteronomy teaches. It's not what the Bible teaches. So what does it look like to be content, whether in lack or abundance? I'll go through this quickly. Simple is contentment is simply having God's perspective on your situation. Like I said, it's faith-oriented to the past. It's contentment and thankfulness. It's, be, it's the ability to say, you have been with me, and I have not lacked. To really believe that. See, it's all about the lens through which you're viewing your circumstances. Contentment is not a statement that God does not want to bring you into abundance. You would have to rule out a ton of other verses in the Bible to make it say that. Right? No, God's desire to pour out abundance is clear in the Scriptures. So why contentment? Because it's about your heart. It's about your attitude. It's about the lens through which you are viewing your life, your past, your present, and therefore your future. Amen? So, so like, again, like it's, it's like, uh, I, I've, I've told this story before, but like a, a lady, old elderly lady, she's sitting in her house, and she's looking out her windows, and she's like, 
Everything's dirty. Cars are dirty. Houses are dirty. People are dirty. The world's just getting dirtier. It's just dirty. One day her friend comes over. Here's her complaining. Seems to complain like this all the time. In the middle of this woman's complaining, her friend stands up, walks out of the house. Just thinks, dirty friend? <laughs> the lady, her friend, walks around to the front door, around to the front of the house, gets out the hose, and sprays the windows, washes them, and washes the dirt off the windows. Comes back inside, and the elderly lady says, oh, everything looks clean. Perspective is everything, isn't it? It's a lens through which you are seeing things. See, you have a lens. You and I have a lens. And if your lens is a lens of lack, that's what you see. I don't have. I don't have enough. There's never enough. Where's God been in my life? That's your lens. That's your heart, right? And, and as Jesus teaches us, and I remember Clint talked about this uh, recently, that if your eye is good, your whole body will be filled with light. And if your eye is bad, your whole body will be filled with darkness. Right? Jesus was talking about covetedness. That if your perspective on reality is dark, fill your whole body with covetedness. The reality is discontentment and covetedness, which they're bedroom buddies, they are extremely unhealthy emotions. It will shut down your heart from receiving from the Lord. In fact, it will rot your bones. Right? This kind of, these kind of unhealthy emotions can actually cause physical problems. But thankfulness on the, in the opposite, contentment and thankfulness, some of the most healthy emotions you could ever have. It not only opens your heart to those healthy emotions, it opens your heart to receive the blessing and abundance that God wants to give. See, simply, contentment is the opposite of covetedness. That, that, that's really the bottom line. It is in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13 makes it very clear that contentment... You can turn there if you want, but I'm going to read it right now. Let your con, uh, conduct be without covetedness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? This is the way contentment speaks. Do you hear that? Contentment says something about God. What? That God is my helper. That God will never leave me nor forsake me. That he is with me. And he is not going to let me down. Right? It's a faith perspective on my past and my present. It's the opposite of covetedness. Do you see that? Let your conduct be without covetedness. What is covetedness? Well, how come they got blessed and I didn't? That's in the church all the time, right? How come, how come, Dave, how come Dave blessed, you know? God must like Dave better. That's covetedness. Comparing with someone else's blessing. Wanting what someone else has, right? Coveting what they have. Covetedness is looking to other sources, other idols, other gods. The Bible says greed or covetedness is idolatry. Like looking to other sources to provide, like maybe like a credit card. Hmm. And saying, that is my provider instead of God is my provider. I will trust the Lord to provide. Covetedness is looking to someone else or something else. And covetedness is wanting those things outside of what God has said to you. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's the problem with the prosperity gospel stuff that we usually preach against. I mean, you're like, I thought you were just talking about abundance. Yeah, 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 you, yeah it's all good. God wants to bring prosperity in people's life. Praise God, hallelujah. But when it's like, I'm going to get mine, however I'm going to want, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to manipulate God. I'm going to make the promise and say something they don't. Yeah, I mean, that's covetedness. 
But that's not what abundance is about. That's not what God's blessing is about. The Bible says God's blessing makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it. It's blessing in our relationships and in our emotions and blessings in every area of our life. Obviously, it's number one, eternal life. But it's God's coming to us and being our provider. Here's what, here's what contentment says. David was the best. I mean, David is the example. In fact, I heard the Lord tell me yesterday. He said, he said, he said mention David. David is the example. Think about it. What does David say when he's being chased by King Saul? You guys might think Psalm 23 is written on a green hill. Oh, the Lord is my shepherd. Now I'm telling you, the context of Psalm 23, I preached this a long time ago, the context of Psalm 23 is David in a dark cave. He's not on a green hill. He's being chased by Saul in Psalm 23. And in Psalm 23, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack, want. Oh, that's stoicism, right? He's not talking about that. He's saying, my God is my shepherd and he is with me. And this is what David would say. In fact, this is what Hebrews 13, I think, is saying. Let me put it in kind of a cool way to say it. Even if I'm living in a circumstance of lack, lack will not live in me. Even if I'm in a situation like a recession or a famine, lack will not live in me. Why? Because my God is with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in lack. I'm trusting the Lord. Man, what if you're in, a, what if you're in the valley of the shadow of death? My God is with me. I will not be afraid. You see what I'm saying? The Lord is my helper. I shall not fear, right? Right? Fear of man. How about this for covetedness? Fear of man. You go to your closet. Oh, I don't have enough cool clothes. People are going to think bad about me. Fear of man. Oh, I got to have that cool car. So fear of man. Fear of man. That's covetedness. See what I'm saying? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I got to live in abundance so everyone thinks I'm... That's pride, right? That's covetedness. That is Fear of man, that's idolatry. See, that contentment's the opposite. Contentment is this. David said it this way. David said it a lot of ways. Psalm 16, the Lord is a portion of my inheritance. See, David would say, man, in a wilderness, you're what I thirst for. What would David say? Man, you take everything from me, but I got my God, right? He is what I want. He is what I need. That's all I need, right? That's what contentment says. That's what contentment says. In the wilderness. In the trials, I got my God. He is with me. I'm not going to be afraid. But do you see, he doesn't go, he doesn't say those things as a cover-up for covetedness. You know, a lot of times the way the church talks nowadays is a cover. They, their language of contentment, I just got to be content with lack, you know. Do God do whatever He wants. That's a cover-up for covetedness. Why? Because they're not looking to the Lord. Let's see. Did David die at the hand of Saul? Or did David become king? Was David poor or did David become rich? Just say it like it says it, right? Just say what the Word says. Dude got rich. Yes? Sorry, the same guy that in the wilderness said, you're all I need. You take it all away from me. I just want God. Oh, let's see. Wait, that's funny. That's the same guy that was living in abundance. Want to know why? Because contentment and thankfulness Leverages lack to bring abundance. When you can't thank God for what you're living in, and you can't thank God for what the past has been, and you can't position your heart through repentance, humility, thankfulness, it will shut your heart down. Right? David was able to say these things. 
right? David, the same, same David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. David understood, just like Paul, how to live in lack or how to live in abundance. Why? What is contentment? He is with me. He is my provider. His presence is what I need. His voice is what I need. He is my provider. He will direct me with His voice. That's all that I need. And if you can't say that in the lack, it won't leverage for abundance. First things first. First things first. I was hanging out with my daughter my son on Friday. I wanted to go take him for a hike. Maybe a bad idea when it, my son's been in school for six hours. He just wasn't quite the same. My, my son and I climbed a mountain, like straight up mountain. I mean, it was like really steep, crazy. It was a bad idea. I was like, buddy, we climbed a mountain together. He's like, dad, dad, by the way, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> I'm always telling him how great he is. And like, he's like, I didn't want to do that. I was like, yeah, you started it though. He started climbing up this mountain. I was like, what am I going to do? I either tell him, don't do it. And so fear into his heart. I was like, well, let's do it. So instead I sowed courage and I said, let's not complain. Let's climb this mountain, you know? This, that was like when we were near the top and he was starting to get tired. Because actually, he never really got afraid. I asked him, were you afraid? He was like, yeah, a little. And I, and, I, and I said, I didn't think you were afraid. You were pretty courageous. So anyways, we went hiking. He wasn't quite the same as John David. But all, before we get there, my daughter's amazing. She's, I'm, loving, I'm loving just hanging out with my daughter. And last night, we were like, she was like tackling me. And it was hilarious. So I take my, my daughter with me and John David to go hiking. And, um, and my daughter, when I told her, we're going to go hiking. My daughter is like really focused, super focused girl. Like it's going to bless her someday. Like she's going to find some injustice and she's going to like take it out. Because, because she's really compassionate, but you make her mad, she's going to sock you, okay? So it's like the prophetic word of her life. She's a princess warrior. So, so literally we said, yeah, Emma, we're going to go hiking. Hiking, hiking. I won't go hiking. I won't go hiking. We'll go hiking, hiking, hiking. Yeah, but baby, we have to go get... Brugger first. I call him Brugger because she calls him Brugger. I really shouldn't do that, but you know. Um, we need to go get your brother. Okay, okay, Brugger, 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 okay, Brugger. I won't go hiking. I won't go hiking. No, no, first we have to get your brother. Okay, okay. I won't go hiking. I won't go hiking. But we need to get your brother first. Okay, so we finally get John David. We get in the car. John David says, I gotta go to the bathroom. So what does Emma say? I gotta go to the bathroom. You know what I'm saying? Okay, we're going to the bathroom. Okay, so we drive to the Taco Bell. I wanna go hiking. I wanna go hiking. Yes, Emma, we're going to go hiking. But first we need to go to the bathroom. Okay. I want to go hiking. Okay. <laughs> you know? Lord, give me patience. You know. <laughs> Actually, it was a lot of fun, so I wasn't really like, I'm learning to have patience with this. But, but uh, so we get, to the, we get to the Taco Bell. We go to the bathroom, and then I get him a taco, and I get him something to drink. You know, I got all this stuff. Finally get in the car. I want to go hiking. I want to go hiking. Yes, we're on our way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what came out of my mouth as we're heading into the Taco Bell? I said, yes, Emma, yes, yes, but baby, first things first. And I went, I stopped for a second in my head, and I thought, I bet I'm going to say that to her a million times in her life. <laughs> you know, my dad used to say things to me over and over again, and I, and I realized as an adult now, oh, that's probably because I needed to hear it a million times. And I realized something that Emma probably needs to hear over and over again. Yes, I love your focus. It's good. We're all about the goal. We're all about the goal. But first things first, Emma. Well, that's what the Lord's talking to us about today. There's, there's other adjustments the Lord wants to make. And of course, He wants to bring abundance to our life. But man, everything out of order just causes problems. First things first, if you can't thank the Lord and say, Lord, I shall not lack. You've been my provider. I trust you. Thank you. You haven't gotten the first things first, right? 
I want to go hiking. I want to go hiking, God. Come on, pour your blessing. Come on, God. Come on, do it, God. Do it. According to your promise. You gave me the word. You gave me the promise. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. And God's going, yes? First things first. Thank me. And that's what the Lord was talking to me about a number of weeks ago. Or actually, probably a couple months ago. He said, David, I have never let you down. I've always been your provider. And what happens when you take that attitude of faith? You leverage that for abundance. What did Jesus do in John chapter 6? You know it says specifically two times in John chapter 6 in the Greek after he thanked God. Abundance. Let me back up for a second. His disciples say uh, lots of people a little amount of food. Right? Jesus, we got like five loaves of bread. But what is so little among so Many. That's what they said, right, in John chapter 6. And of course, this story is in every single gospel. It's the most, it's the most repeated story in the gospels. The, right? Who, Jesus, come on. What is so little among so many? So little among so many. That is the attitude of lack, yes? What did Jesus do? I bring him here. And it says, it's in every gospel, but John chapter 6 is so, so specific. Two times it says, after he said, thank you, multiplied. I'm convinced that his faith was expressed in his thankfulness, right? Because thankfulness is the language of faith. And he took the little he had. And most likely, he said the normal Jewish blessing over food. Although, we don't really know what he said. But, blessed are you, Lord God, who brings forth bread from the earth. Right? Most likely he said that. If he didn't, he said something like, Lord, thank you for this food. I got five pieces of bread. Five thousand men plus women and children. Thank you, Lord. You've always provided. There is always more than enough. I have never lacked. You're the God who brings forth bread from the earth. You are provider. Bam. Supernatural miracle. What will leverage the little you have? First things first. You've got to leverage it with thankfulness. Go to Philippians 4. We'll end with this. Very practical. I think you're catching what the Lord is saying. You know, this message isn't just for you, but those in your life that are struggling, and those people you're discipling. Do you see that when you don't have contentment, it actually creates the lack? I hope you see that. But when you would leverage that lack with contentment and thankfulness, it will bring abundance. I hope you see that. And I hope you can have eyes to see even the people in your life, to love them, to believe God, to bring blessing in their life, and to, and to teach them this is God's way. Amen? And so in Philippians chapter 4, which by the way is the same chapter where Paul says... I've learned to be content in lack or abundance. Because if Paul was living in abundance, he would still be content. Because he had God. And he was about the mission. Serving the Lord, right? In Philippians chapter 4, in verse 4, starting in verse 4, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. 
Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. No, I, it, whether it is the fact that you're trying to believe God for a spouse and you're living in singleness, or whether you need a breakthrough in your finances or in your marriage or in your character, I'm saying thankfulness is what will bring that freedom. It's what will bring that blessing. It's so vital that we say in, even in the midst of our singleness, because I'm convinced the Lord wants to bless those of you who are single with that, the desire of your heart. I've been praying for you. And the Lord would say, but we need to be content and thankful and leverage it. Leverage the singleness with contentment and thankfulness. Say, Lord, you're all I need. But it's in the midst of looking to Him that He'll bring that person. No, but, so no matter what it is, what does He say in Philippians 4? Don't ask. Stop asking. Just don't be worried about it. Get over it. He didn't say that, did He? He said, don't be worried. He said, even in the context of the Lord coming soon, the the end times near. Rejoice. Right? That's what we did earlier today. We rejoiced in the Lord. We praised Him. We shouted. We clapped. We rejoiced. We said, You are our God. And then He says this. Ask with thankfulness. Why does He say that? Why does He say, Bring your prayers and your supplications to God with thankfulness? Because only asking with the right heart attitude of contentment and thankfulness will release those things. You come to God asking without thankfulness. And what is he referring to when he says thankfulness? You could say he's referring to thanking him for what he will do. But I think, specifically, and I just think this is what the Lord is emphasizing this morning, he's talking about your past. To come to the Lord with a thankfulness regarding your past and a thankfulness regarding your present and say, I'm asking you according to your word and your promise to do what you said you would do for my future, but with thankfulness. You see that? So what do you do? Remember what God has done for you. Recount the testimony of the Lord. Rich and I were talking about that yesterday. He reminded me of that. Remember, remind yourself, what has God done for you? You can think about the cross. You can think about how He's healed you and saved you and forgiven you. How He's set you free. How He has blessed you. How He's provided for you. Recount the history. Recount the story. And get yourself into alignment with what God has been doing. Come to Him with thankfulness. Simply just say, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you. All you have to do is take the scriptures we've looked at today and say, thank you, Lord. I have not lacked. Lord, if there's been struggle in my life, I repent. I repent in my part. Take ownership. But say, Lord, on your part, you have been faithful. And say, Lord, now I'm coming to you and I'm asking you, in the name of Jesus, supply all my need according to your riches and glory. Lord, pay, I, need that. I need help in this area. I need wisdom. I need you to speak to me. I, I need this. Bring the needs before the Lord. Don't worry, but bring it before Him. But with what? An attitude of thankfulness. And the Lord will move you from lack to abundance. This is what has transformed my life. In every area of my life, I used to have no confidence. Now I have an abundance of confidence. Why? I started with thankfulness. Same thing. I've seen it happen with healing. I prayed, people didn't get healed. Now I pray, more people get healed. What happened? What changed? Oh, it was the anointing of the Lord. No, God was like, uh, I already anointed you. Stop whining about it. No, <laughs> he didn't say it. He basically said, I've anointed you. Why do you keep asking me for something I've already given you? And I began to step into what he had already done with an attitude of thankfulness. In every area of my life. One time, I remember there was, there was a month in this church where, uh, I said, oh no, it's actually a season of time 
You guys know that, I mean, I'm the pastor, and so, like, I don't talk about this for greed. I talk about this because we have a mission here. And we need resources to accomplish this mission. People, money, that kind of stuff, right? And the Lord has provided that for our church. I mean, it's amazing. And in fact, even now, the, the, the Lord is bringing uh, uh, people, leaders to step in, and, and the Lord is bringing financial provision, not for us, but so we can give it away and reach more people for Jesus. Amen? It's not people for resources. It's resources for people, right? Um, and, uh, but, uh, but it was, I don't know, it was probably a year ago, and I was learning this. I was learning to say only what God says in, in, a, in actually a much more deep way. Like I had learned to just thank the Lord and stand on His Word, but I, there was a lot of lack mentality and a lot of words that were coming out of my mouth that weren't from the Lord. And it was, I think it was about a year ago, and I remember just going through a season where we didn't really have like a lot. Like it was like, like you look, and you're like, well, that's not good. And I remember telling the Lord, I was like, man, Lord, it can't keep going like that. And if we're going to, you know, it's like, if it keeps going like that, we're going to not be able to do stuff, anything, you know, we've got some bills around here, you know, to do the ministry. And, um, but this is what I said in that time. I said, I'm, I'm only going to say what you say. I said, well, I will not say anything other than that. I said, you are our provider. I will not look to people. I will not grumble and complain. I will not live in covetedness. I mean, the Lord always dealing with purity of my motives and all that too. We're all, we're all in the same boat. But I just stood in the... I said, this is what your word says. You said you would provide all our needed corners and glory. Lord, you said you'd give us abundance for every good work. Lord, I'm standing your word. I'm believing what you said. And I said, no matter what happens, I'm going to believe you. And no matter what happens, you gave me an assignment and I will do that. I will be content in little or much. Why? Because I'm giving myself to the assignment that the Lord called me to. This is not about, you know, well, I'm going to serve you only if you do this. Now, I'm not telling God what to do. He's telling me what to do, right? And I'm just saying, Lord, I thank you. You said you'd provide. You said you'd provide. And I just kept saying that. And I said, I'm not going to say anything else. And I'm tempted to put something coming out of my mouth. I'm sure I would make mistakes, but nope. I'm not going to say something that God doesn't say. I remember one month, super low. Remember the next month, Debbie goes, hey, did you see the tithe? No. She said, uh, I don't want to worry about it, you know. She said, uh, yeah, it was, uh, this week was more than all of last month. And, uh, you know, praise God for people who are being faithful to the Lord, right? And giving to the Lord. It's about you giving to Him and fuels the mission. But from my perspective, Dave Turner, called to this place, has told me to be here. He's told me to lead us to where He has for us. And I'm standing before God. And I, she said that and I said, I'm only going to say what you say. 